listening to The Cooler Ring, a podcast made for manufacturing marketers. Here are Carmen Perry and Jeff White. Welcome to The Cooler Ring, a podcast for manufacturing marketers brought to you by Cooler Partners. My name is Jeff White and joining me today is Carmen Perry. Carmen, how are you doing, sir? I'm doing well. You? Yeah, great. It's a rainy Monday morning, but you know, it's a good time to record a podcast. <laughs> that is true. That is true. We should... Uh... Although with the gear, you shouldn't hear any kind of pitter-patter of the rain or anything. No. No. no Although it would be kind of nice and mild. It would be soothing, <laughs> really. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's not mild. It's almost freezing outside while it's raining. True. Yeah. But that's very Canadian of us to talk about the weather. Always. Let's talk about uh, today's guest instead. Yeah. Why don't we do that? So uh, joining us today is Taylor Smith. Taylor is the technical sales and marketing person at PS Energy. Welcome to the Cooler Ring, Taylor. Hi, guys. Thank you for having me. I'm so glad you could join us. It, and and <laughs> the technical sales and marketing person, like she's the one that does those two things. <laughs> hey, man, it's a real setup for you, Taylor, to uh, um, uh, kind of, I, I, I got a visual right away of you being in charge of pretty much the entire ship. But look, let's uh, Let's just understand what PS Energy is for our listeners and uh, tell us more about you. Yeah, so PS Energy is a technical solution company for big steel, aluminum, and zinc companies. So we primarily focus on combustion, and that is the energy um, used to produce heat that you know heats up steel products or aluminum products used in melting, heat treating, things like that. And we monitor the combustion at the burner level. Um, we give you updates through an app, basically helping you reduce emissions and increase your bottom line, which would be your throughput uh, through the furnace. Very cool. That's really cool. And tell us a bit more about your role there and kind of how you got how you got into the industry. Yeah, so my role in technical sales and marketing, um, it's pretty cool. I started in the industry... Uh, about four years ago, I was a Division One athlete, a bowler, which that's that's kind of cool. <laughs> you don't find those for, very often. Um, you are the first Division One bowler on the Coolering Podcast for sure. I love that. Yeah, <laughs> a lot of people don't even know that that's a thing. So I love telling people that. That's always like my one fun fact about myself. Well, before we go any further. How do you feel about the two-handed bowling that's going on right now? Okay, I I am biased because I'm a female. So, you know, we talk a lot about revolutions in bowling, and that's basically like the revs on the ball, which help you uh, get a hook into the pocket and get a strike. You get so many revs when you're a two-handed bowler. But, you know, it's all about accuracy and muscle memory. So if they can do it that way, that's awesome. I could, I cannot do it. I've tried. I could never. But you don't think they should be banned from the sport because they're just bastardizing it with this weird two-hand thing. And meanwhile, you've got the one-handed craft. No, I don't think they should be banned. Um, <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's just very different. You know, maybe it should be its own sector of bowling. But there's definitely an upper hand when you're a two-handed bowler. But really, it, it does all come down to that muscle memory. No pun intended. I know, with the upper hand. Come on. Come on. <laughs> oh, that's, that's good. Interesting to hear. It's, it's an interesting moment in sports for, uh, for that. I, had, I was watching some videos about it a couple weeks ago. <laughs> it's one of those, like, 
When was the last time you like saw any controversy or discussion about bowling at all, other than like the guy that um, had the really over the top celebration? Oh um, yeah, yeah. Like you don't know who I am. I or I don't know who do you think you are. I am or whatever. Some <laughs> sort of weird react. But I was that, and then the two handed bowling. That's it. But what, what people don't realize is that we cheered for college bowling just like college football. You know, we would we would turn around after a strike screaming at the top of our lungs. It was it was crazy. And you would never think that. It does change the perspective or the yeah. image for sure. Yeah. 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 All right, well beyond bowling. Yeah. Taylor, um, how did you end up at PS Energy? Yeah. Um when I was in Brooklyn, New York on my division one bowling scholarship, I I was studying communications and I couldn't find an internship in the city. Um, It was the end of 2019. I was in my junior year and I couldn't find any sort of internship that interests me. So my dad called me up and he told me he worked at Elwood city forge at the time. And he told me that his company was looking for summer help. And I took that as, Oh, a marketing internship. And I was so excited So I went home for the summer and my first day on the job, you know, you're sitting through training and they're talking about hard hats and safety glasses and, you know, well, you need to get steel toe boots. And I was so confused. Like, am I not going to be sitting in the office? And I showed up the next day and I spent my entire summer painting the yellow safety lines on the floor of the shop. So that was cool. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I remember I was so angry with my dad. It's like, why am I doing this? This has nothing to do. I, I have no interest in this. And I hated it. I hated going to work every day until I made my way to the end of the plant. They called it um, the DMAG area. And that's kind of where they staged all of the steel. Um so they would have the steel staging there. They'd load it into the furnace, take it out, glowing red hot, and then forge it. And I remember when I got down to that section and I saw the furnace doors open and a huge manipulator goes over and picks up this giant piece of steel and they take it over and start pressing it. And I was in awe. My jaw was on the floor, just standing there looking at, I thought it was so cool. I had never seen anything like it. And you know, from that moment on, I decided I want to be in this industry. And I truly had no idea how I was going to do that with my marketing degree or my communications degree. I didn't know that there were different areas in manufacturing. I didn't know that manufacturing needed marketers or people in sales and things like that because, you know, I was never exposed to it. But I ended up taking an internship in Erie through my senior year. I did that remote while I lived in Brooklyn And then I moved here for a full-time position um, as a marketing coordinator at a furnace manufacturer. And then, um, you know, throughout my journey there, I had really realized that I want to be in sales. And I saw a really good opportunity at PS Energy, and I had to jump on it. That's interesting to me. So you were in a marketing coordinator role, but it's actually sales is more your uh, interest and inclination in the marketing side. It is. And that's really because, you know, in the industry, you see a lot of siloed sales and marketing teams. And 
I, I just don't think that that's the way that it should be. My role now in technical sales and marketing is kind of, I like to call it the bridge between sales and marketing. So I really take those customers from step one, which is prospecting through the buyer's journey, you know, through the purchase order, onboarding, educating, things like that. And that has helped me grow so much in both sales, but also on the marketing side. How has that exposure to the sales side of the equation changed how you think about marketing? So I think a lot of people think, you know, you have marketing qualified leads and sales qualified leads. So something that's really cool um, in our operation is we don't necessarily have marketing qualified leads. Um, We have sales qualified leads and those are the leads that we market to. So it sounds kind of weird. Um, Like I said, I take the customers from prospecting through the buyer's journey and that really allows me to see, okay, this is this is who we should be focusing on. These are our target market customers. Um, and as you see those customers go through the buyer's journey and you see kind of the obstacles and roadblocks that they have, it helps you address those earlier in the mar- even in the marketing aspect of it, rather than you know getting a couple months into the sales process you can kind of address all of those concerns earlier and then it's not, it's not as big of a deal as you go through that sales process. So it's really helped me in the educational aspect. I'm all about educating the customer and being completely transparent with them. Heard an interesting phrase not that long ago from one of the manufacturers that we work with. They were also thinking about leads from the perspective of data qualified leads, you know, DQLs. Are they good enough to be in our CRM? You know, should we be kind of working them that way and bringing them into our world from a data perspective, like well before anybody gets to MQL status? You know, pretty interesting. That is interesting, and I, I think really what Taylor's kind of knocking on the door of here with the fact that a focus on sales qualified is really a. Uh, a tenant of ABM, to my in my view, where you say like everybody that's on that target account list, you know, is a you know is a qualified buyer. They may not be in market, they may not like you, they may not know of you, all of those things. But I, I don't know. I kind of I like this whole notion of just okay, we're starting at SQL, and it's our job to sell them. Let's go. <laughs> you know, is yeah. So something that you know really makes an SQL for us is, do they have an industrial furnace, a gas fired industrial furnace? Because that's what our solutions are made for is gas fired industrial furnaces. So, you know, I do that prospecting and rather than, you know, sending out campaigns or maybe doing ads geared towards people that don't have furnaces, I know from the very beginning that these customers do have them and that our product will work for them. So I think that that kind of gives us an upper hand. Yeah. Yeah. The very deep level of understanding of the product market fit, for sure. Yeah, and not, but you're not worrying about, uh, it sounds as though, I guess, Taylor, I should ask the question rather than put words in your mouth, but you're not, they don't have to have budget authority need and timeline in order to be an SQL for you. No, because, so our systems, um, what we do is very unique really no other company is kind of in this area yet. Um, 
our systems have seen a return of 20, 25% increased productivity, or you can use that the other way and say decreased gas consumption. So any way that you look at it, um, there is an ROI on our product. Since you don't have a lot of competitors in this space, do people know they need you yet? That has been our toughest obstacle yet is proving that this technology is needed. So we don't just sell the product. We also do combustion services. And there are a lot of other companies that do that. Um, We started with this new product this year, actually. We call it a furnace screening. So rather than going in and tuning the furnace, which you can see that increased productivity with a tuning, but it might only last a week or two. Um, With the monitoring, you're sure to get that 20% increase consistently, which would be all the time. Um, So we started doing these furnace screenings. And instead of going in and tuning the furnace and saying, hey, we fixed your problem. And them saying, wow, the furnace is operating great. I don't need monitoring. It's operating better than it ever has. We go in and we tell them exactly how inefficient it's operating. We don't fix the problem. And that, that right there, that number gives them their ROI. So that gives them, you know, if, if they're operating 13% inefficiently and we can say we can increase that to, we can increase 13% plus if you use some of our other products, we can get you to 25%. That really lays out a clear ROI for them. So that's kind of how we started um, breaking into the market. I love that, having the discipline to not solve the problem at the start. <laughs> there is um, a lot of application in sales for that uh, uh, that discipline. I would say it's one of the things that really, I find, separates really good salespeople from mediocre ones. Is really good ones don't give away what they sell, and um, and they're they're disciplined in how they uh, how they solve problems. That's really interesting. I haven't, I don't think I've heard of an example like that, Jeff. No, no, I don't think so either. Yeah. Huh. Um, you talked a bit about uh, you know getting that marketing and sales alignment. You have a, a small team on the sales side there at PS Energy, and I'm assuming you all work a little bit differently. How are you? kind of bringing everyone together to have have a similar view into, you know, going after those clients, as you were just explaining, those customers? So, you know, obviously we're in manufacturing and these target markets are very complex and there's no one size fits all solution. And I don't think that there's a one size fits all sales process either. So I'm the youngest salesperson on our team. Um, I do things very differently than some of the other guys on the team. And I think that's totally fine. You know, just having that communication and saying, hey, this is how I like to do it and having those results showing that it's working on both sides of it. I think that that's, you know, totally fine. And just kind of respecting that not everyone has to do it the same way. There really is no one size fits all sales process. Um, And I believe that with marketing too. Is I can appreciate that people can find different ways to succeed. Um, uh, so you know, every salesperson can take a somewhat different approach and and put numbers on the board, put you on the spot. Have you seen anything 
where you're like, man, like that is just backwards. They should just, they're wasting their time. Uh, I, I don't do it that way for a reason. And they just haven't figured it out yet. Um, yeah, I, I do feel that way sometimes. Um, I really feel like we all carry our weight pretty well, which is awesome. Um, you know, I, I'm very hard to keep pushing on that furnace screening. So I do not want to tune your furnace. I will tune it if you ask me 50 times. Like I, I want to screen your furnace. I want to give you that ROI. I want to show you how poorly it's operating. And, you know, some people on our team kind of give up on that a little earlier than others, which is totally fine. Business is business. But, you know, I see, I see a future with the product and I really think, you know, pushing these screenings is so important. And every time we do them, we see how inefficient these furnaces are. We never get on site and they're operating perfectly. So, you know, that's, that's really my thing is just keep pushing for the, the end product. And that furnace screening, it's not an expensive service that we provide. It's, it's really to see, you know, do they have skin in the game? We have skin in the game. Let's move forward and build this ROI together. Um, I, really, I really love that uh, it didn't just come down to, like, you're younger, so you use LinkedIn for prospecting more. <laughs> no, not at all. You know what I mean? But seriously, I think that that's... I'd love that answer. But I do think LinkedIn is very important. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> I, I wanted to kind of key on that. You know, you mentioned how you're the youngest amongst the sales team, you know, relatively new, even just in, you know, out of school somewhat recently. You know, this is an interesting sector that is struggling to attract young talent. Um and you guys are doing some interesting things around trying to remedy that, um, especially at PS Energy, but you know more broadly as well. Tell us a bit about those strategies and how you're how you're kind of looking to bring more people like yourself into these roles. Yeah, so really, I think that there are two main things that we have to do, and it's educate and expose. So I am the marketing director for women in manufacturing, our Western Pennsylvania chapter. And we work, we work with local companies. We work within the community, within schools, and we really try to bridge that gap. And whether that be, you know, hosting plant tours or just telling our stories. So I've been asked multiple times to, you know, just talk about the painting yellow lines and how that really got me into this industry I truly believe that I would have never been exposed to this industry or I would have never found my passion for it if I hadn't done that internship or the summer help job. So, you know, just exposing kids to all of the, the beauty of manufacturing early in life, I think that that's really cool. And also showing them that you don't have to be an engineer and you don't have to be in production. You can love manufacturing and be in finance or sales or marketing. There are so many different opportunities um, that kind of fall out of that original thought process of being a laborer or being an engineer. Mm. Yeah, I think that uh, th there aren't many kind of employers that 
span the gamut of opportunity types, <laughs> quite like manufacturers, really, because you, you know, you really don't find that anywhere else. You know, in consulting, we don't have those production type roles or, or the, you know, in, in the same way. So there's just so many additional opportunities. And in the last little, in the last few weeks, uh, you actually participated in Manufacturing Day as well, and uh, and brought, I would assume, a, a bunch of um, fresh vases into the plant. What uh, what did you find there, and, and how did that come about? So Manufacturing Day is a really cool event that the Manufacturer and Business Association um, located in Erie hosts. And I think this year there were about 2,500 kids that came. Um, it's really like a miniature trade show for them. So all of the companies go to our Bayfront Convention Center and they set up their real life trade show booths and you know the kids walk it like a regular trade show their breakout sessions so I was lucky enough to host one of those with um, some of my other board members from women in manufacturing and you know it was so cool to sit there and we did a panel discussion so you know we answered a few scripted questions but the kids were so engaged and they started asking us questions and they were so interested in you know, learning about the difference, not the difference, but, you know, the challenges that women face in the industry. Um, I think about 10 kids had asked me after the fact, well, how many, how many women are in manufacturing? And I got to tell them the statistics, you know, there used to be 9% women. And over the last 20, 30 years, we've increased to 28% women in the industry. And seeing their eyes light up and getting excited that, you know, there are different opportunities and different paths that you can take and be in an industry that you like. That was so cool for them to see. And I love being able to share that with them. I bet the happy hours are pretty raucous though, right? Like at the trade show? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, okay. So thankfully they do a happy hour for the for the um, exhibitors afterwards. But Good thing. It was, <laughs> It was awesome, you know, just seeing that many faces walking around and interested in everything that these companies are doing. It's it's really refreshing. What's the most surprising question you got? Somebody had asked us during the panel um, how much we get paid, and you know, my <laughs> my friends were taken aback a little bit um, on the spot. I got to come up with the answer. Well, we get paid well enough that we're willing to sit here and tell you guys that you should pursue careers in this industry. So that's nice. That's yeah, nice. Well thought out on your feet. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Taylor, we've got a future for you in politics of this whole Energy <laughs> thing doesn't work out. I don't know how I came up with that. It's <laughs> a pretty good redirect. Yeah, it is. Yeah. 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 Listen, kid, the real question here is. <laughs> I can just imagine treating it like a you know, CNN down the line interview or something. <laughs> huh. What um, I, I I look I, I really appreciate the 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 notion that you know exposure is really key here. You know, it's hard to um, it's hard to fall in love with stuff you don't know about. Uh, it, it, it's it's hard to be interested in things you haven't seen. Both on the technical sales front and on the recruitment of young kids into the industry front. Yeah. Trying those back together. 
Um, but as you think about what we need to do in manufacturing to really um, uh, crack this HR nut and really get people excited about the space, is there anything that you can, uh, any anything on your mind that you're like, you know, this is manufacturers need to do more of this. Well, I think something that, you know, we're not good at, and I think a lot of other companies aren't very good at is showing what you're doing behind closed doors. And I think that that's the thing that got me interested. And that's really what gets other people interested as well is opening your doors. And, you know, a lot of times companies, you know, if you have certain contracts and things like that, you can't necessarily post on social media, but open your doors, open your doors and bring people in, whether it's people in the industry or people in the community and let them come in and, you know, walk around your facility for an hour and show them what you have going on. I I think that that's really one of the most important things is just being willing to open your doors and kind of explaining your process to people, um, really getting them interested in what you do you know, you would never know one of our customers down the road manufactures Cummins engines and KitchenAid mixers all in one facility. You would never, you would never know that that was down the street. And I think that that's so cool. So, you know, things like that, it's just open your doors and show the community what you're doing and invite them in. I think that's a really good idea. Yeah. Yeah, it's really interesting advice, and it feels to me, I, I don't know, I'm dating myself now, but it just feels to me like when I was a kid, that seemed to happen more. I don't know. And I come from a very small area of a very rural part of Canada, for goodness sakes, but it seemed like there was a, uh, I don't know, I'm, I think mean, that's a fairly natural motion for a manufacturer to get back to. like this, And like every manufacturer on the planet loves to do a factory tour for the most part. Yeah. It's just like they don't always just think about doing it uh, on a community-wide nature, but it's interesting. Yeah. I grew up in similarly rural kind of conditions, and the, my father was a draftsman before he retired at a manufacturer of RF radio transmitters, um, huge, huge things. And I used to spend every one of the, you know, take your kid to work day and job shadowing day and all of that just. So, you know, going around the the metal stamping plant and all of the other parts of that. So I saw every aspect of that. And then they ended up being our first manufacturing client when we opened Kula. So. <laughs> but, but of course, I mean, not everybody. Uh, with a, not everybody know, gets that experience. Yeah, I think yeah. Taylor's advice here is really solid. Open doors to the community and, uh, and understand that the impact of that is more than just the PR reputational side. There's a real kind of um, uh, planting the seeds of manufacturing's future really in that. Something that I think about too is, you know, when you when you open the doors to the community, people are going to talk. So in marketing, I always think that the best reference is word of mouth. If one of my customers tells, you know, somebody that they know about our product, that means more than any campaign I can run or any educational content I can put out. So, you know, it works that way in the community as well. You have no idea who these people might know. They may just know your next biggest customer. Yeah, or your next hire in the marketing and sales department. Exactly. Right? <laughs> yeah. Well, what do you as we as we come to a close here, you know, what are you 
what are you most looking forward to, you know, as we go into the, into 2024? Honestly, I'm looking forward to seeing PS Energy's growth. We're at a point right now where, you know, we're just having growing pains where we have, we have all of these orders. We have, you know, our new building that we're moving into. We're putting all of our manufacturing and our research and development, um, our offices all together in one. And from a personal note, I'm really looking forward to seeing how that collaboration helps us grow. And then from an industry standpoint, you know, I'm really just excited to see, hopefully, since COVID is no longer, I know that's not really a thing, but (laughs) since it's not really, you know, front facing anymore, I'm really hoping to see that more people are hosting plant tours or opening their doors, you know, networking happy hours, things like that. I think one of the coolest things about the industry is really the people. And that's my favorite thing is getting to connect with different people in the industry, um, whether that be in person or virtually. So I really just want to see, you know, the industry continue to come together and move forward. Taylor, it's been wonderful having you on the show. I think it's been a fascinating conversation and uh, um, led me uh, into some interesting paths I didn't think we were going to go down. So this has been fantastic. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. Thanks for listening to The Cooler Ring with Carmen Perry and Jeff White. Don't miss a single manufacturing marketing insight. Subscribe now at coolapartners.com slash the cooler ring. That's K-U-L-A partners.com slash the cooler ring.